Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week we focus on a person, historical event or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to the HIV podcast, Sarah. I want one of those clapperboard things to start with. Oh, we need one of those, don't we? Sarah pointed at me and mouthed and go. <laughs> that's how we knew. That's how we did it this week. I liked it. You took charge. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. How are you? Recovered from our very eventful weekend? Oh, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really amazing. So we were at Reading Pride this weekend, which we actually had really fantastic weather, even though it said it was going to rain. It was mm. beautiful sunshine all day long. And um, I wanted to really quickly say, actually, a massive thank you to Sean, our boss, to Paul and to Luke, who all came and volunteered on the day and gave their time. And I know that they all listen to this. So thank you so much. Yeah. We just couldn't have made it as good as it was without you. No, no, we couldn't have done. They definitely made a difference, didn't they? My, I mean, it's slightly marred for me by the fact that me and Sean had to try and put up a gazebo between us. Two gazebos. Two gazebos, but Chantel was there for the second one. What we realised very early doors is that both of us are more leaders, like than strategy rather than doing. See, that's the problem, isn't it? When you don't have me there, the issue is you've got no, you're like, well, who's going to do it? We're just telling each other what the instructions are. Someone needs to physically do this now. We had this thing, we have to put up this gazebo and you had to get a screw through the top that holds obviously the fabric in place. So it's a tiny screw to get through a tiny hole. So Sean was inside the gazebo. No, he was outside the gazebo trying to get the screw into the top of the hole. I I don't think I was helping much. I was trying to line the material up with the hole and it was like a carry-on film. Can you imagine the amount of innuendos? Yes, yeah. About trying to get it in the hole. Oh, I wish I'd been there for that. What a treat that would have been. (laughs) It was at that point that I thought, oh, I think we're going to fall out. When I turned up, both Sean and Sarah had said to me separately, we always had an argument. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Okay, I'm glad I was not here for this. This is not good. But also thank you to Chantel, who also worked the day for us too. So yeah, thank you to everybody. And also, I'm I'm giving a little shout out to somebody now. So I'm going to offend some people when I do this, Sarah. I met, and I know you did too, quite a few of our listeners. But the only one I actually managed to get their name and a picture of was lovely Grace. Other people had really caught me on the hop where I was sort of out and about giving things out. And I'm just sort of as I'm going by, hunting, bye. And so I'm really sorry for everybody else, but it was amazing to meet you all. But I wanted to give a massive shout out to Grace, who came over and said how much she loves the podcast. And I said I'd give her a, a shout out. She was listening to it when her and her partner were decorating their house. It's a good time to listen. She actually messaged me to clarify her bag situation. I don't know if you saw her picture, Sarah. No, I'm going to have a look now. Well, she just has a blue bag. But Will Hampson had said, had made a joke that it was an Ikea bag and that I basically had accosted her on her way back from shopping. That is not um... the case. Grace's partner won the most wonderfully random raffle prize that I've ever heard of, which is a set of chopping boards. What? Why were they in a raffle? A set of chopping boards. What, at Pride? <laughs> yes, look at your face. Someone had done a raffle at Pride with chopping boards. <laughs> yes. Isn't it a brilliant raffle prize? And what are you going to do for the rest of the day? You're sort of at pride, aren't you, to like go and have fun and dance and things. you just got a sack of chopping boards. Not just one chopping board, multiple. That's so weird. <laughs> I know, I loved it. When she messaged to say, just to clarify that she wasn't coming back from Ikea, but in fact her partner, because the bag is blue like the Ikea bag, but her partner had in fact won multiple chopping boards in in the cooperative raffle. There we go. I don't really know where to go with that. But anyway, thank you for coming saying hi, Grace. And thank you to everybody else that we met too. We met some wonderful people. Yeah, we did. But Grace was the only one I managed to grab a picture with and um, put her on our Instagram. Quite bad, actually, at taking pictures. I just forget that, you know, you're supposed to... How can other people see what you're doing if you don't actually record it or document it with photos? Yeah, but we know that you don't like that. So I... I don't mind having my picture taken at all. I just don't... I can't get into that frame of mind that we have to I'm of the wrong generation is what I'm trying to say well when Grace came over we had a hug because it was so nice to meet her and then I said oh my god let's take a picture so I was straight on it at that point because I thought actually I've met other people today and it didn't sort of tick onto my brain to be like take a picture and half the time I didn't have my phone on me anyway but yeah thank you to everyone that came over and said hi and thank you to all the new followers because we got a ton of new followers to the podcast so Welcome, everybody that was at Pride. You were all amazing. Hope you had a great day. This bodes well, doesn't it? Because when we start our OnlyFans page, and I've been thinking about this, we can go by the names of our pets, Timmy and Squeak, uh, and we're going to do HIV awareness. There'll be no getting our kit off or anything. We can traffic them all over. No, not traffic. That means a not, different thing, doesn't yeah, it? not that kind of traffic. Also, I feel like as soon as you mentioned OnlyFans, all of those new followers just like <laughs> dropped by 30%. Just <laughs> Oh, and the last thing I have to say about our porn names, obviously someone pointed this out to us saying, I'm not sure if you're aware that, you know, the whole porn name thing is a bit of a scam. And don't, don't panic, everybody. I was going to put a post out. We were very aware of that when we recorded this. So people are thinking that we're giving out like our passwords. Basically, people are thinking that you are there just shouting out your PIN number, giving all the security information out, Sarah. That's what they're thinking. Yes, because that is in the list of no, no, I don't use any of that. And my password is always I love Jess. So Standard, obviously. And my, oh, I thought it'd be like something to do with chocolate buttons, but you know. <laughs> oh, I took Sarah Obvious. chocolate buttons. How were they? 
I bought her caramel ones. Oh, they were good. Mm. Well, I felt obliged because we were at Pride to share them with all the volunteers. But do you know what I found myself doing? You know, when you clutch the bag really tightly so they can only get one. That's yeah. how mean I am. Really? <laughs> Just like, chocolate button, anyone? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's at that time of day, isn't it, when you need a yeah. kind of sugar pick-me-up. So what good timing from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd love a chocolate button. It's like, God, I hate you all. <laughs> yeah, no, the answer is no. Yes. Just being polite. Okay, amazing. Well, I too am well rested now and still on a bit of a high, actually, from all the lovely, lovely people we met. We did meet a lot of lovely people. Yeah, we really did. And oh my God, can I tell you the best thing I saw in the whole of Pride? And I went up to this lady and I said to her, this is the best thing I think I've seen ever at any Pride. There was like a tiny little fat dog with like a little squiggy little fuggly face. So I love dogs like that, that aren't like um, traditionally beautiful. Mm, mm. Anyway, and it's wearing like a rainbow bandana. And then, and this isn't cruel, it was really happy and fine, perched on its tiny little head, she was carrying the dog. It had a pink fur rimmed, like fluffy rimmed cowboy hat on. Oh. Best thing I'd seen. See, I wish I got a picture of that as well. All these things I missed. I like the person that was walking around dressed up as a unicorn with the mane and hooves. But that this is, is what... the universal symbol for hooves. <laughs> She's just waving her hand at me. But that is what a unicorn looks like. Like a horse, Sarah, with a horn on its face. Yeah. What do you think? It is a horse, horse, isn't it? It's just like a really glitzy horse. A glitzy horse. That's the best way I've ever heard a unicorn described. That is exactly what it is. It's like a glitter sparkles horse. But in the heat, full on costume. Amazing. I have so much respect for people that turned up in like real, like yeah. either costumes or like the bondage gear that they wanted to wear, like leather, latex, and it was a hot day. So mm. fair play to everyone that stuck to their guns and wore what they wanted because I was hogging that fan that we had in our tent that, that lovely Luke brought. I was right next to that, so I don't know how everyone else coped. So well done, Reading Pride. Excellent, excellent day out. And now to porn. <laughs> what a transition. That's a seamless link, isn't it? So we're episode three now, aren't we? So we did the great porn scandal and then the initial episode, episode one, was the mapping episode. What's episode three looking like for us, Sarah? So we are going to look at women in the porn industry and how they were affected by HIV. So that's what we're doing in this episode and the next one. So there are going to be a lot of opportunities for me to have a good rant about, you know, how marginalised women are. Yes. Now, yes. how much you enjoy that, Sarah, when I just take us away from what we're doing. Right. Yes, we are looking at women in the porn industry. But first of all, a little gem of a sentence from an article in The Guardian that I found when I was doing my research. And it says, in contrast to Hollywood, the big stars in pornography are nearly all women. Men, with a very few exceptions, are viewed as little more than lumps of muscle attached to a penis. <laughs> You won't get through that without laughing. Wow. But that's the opposite of what we thought in the other episode. Yes. And when we go through today's episode, you'll realise that that isn't actually true. I just like the description. It is an amazing description. Do you know, didn't I say the other week I'd stop saying okay, so and absolutely? And look, at all I've said is those. It's all I've done. If we're considering women are the stars of the porn industry, when it comes to women infected by HIV in the American porn industry, there is most definitely not as much information as there is about men. Oh, okay. So last week we talked about Mark Wallace, who allegedly 
infected women. It's never been proved. And the person that we're featuring today was one of those that he allegedly infected. Yes, I remember. I remember you saying, and for anyone who's wondering what we're on about, pause this episode, go back, go and listen to episode two of the poor miniseries, and then we'll see you back here in a second. So her name, her stage name was Brooke Ashley. Her real name is Anne-Marie, but I think we'll stick with her stage name because that's who she was when she contracted. Yeah, and that's, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about her job, which is in the porn industry. So when she's at work, she's Brooke. Yeah. So the first thing that kind of stands out, considering these women were essential to the porn industry, I, it is shocking how little support and protection they were actually offered. So when I was doing the research, as I said, there's far less information about women than there is about men which I think speaks volumes anyway. And you think, well, why is that? Is it just that women are more private about their HIV status or their porn career? But then if that's the case, is Brooke going against that? Actually, I don't think it is that. I think it's just nobody wanted to listen. I mean, I'm not surprised. Anyway, back to Mark Wallace. So allegedly he knew he was HIV positive, but he continued to work in adult films. And it's alleged that he infected several women, including Brooke Ashley. She left the industry in 1998 after finding out that she had HIV. And she contends she was infected by Mark on the set of a film called The World's Biggest Anal Gangbang. You're going to have to put a disclaimer out before we put this episode out. <laughs> I, I did put one on the last episode, to be fair. I mean, how big how big was it if it was the world's biggest? Well, she sets a record in that film for having anal sex with the most partners at one time, 50. But when they mean at one time, does that mean they're sort of queuing up and everyone like has a go? I don't mean that. That sounds awful. But do you know what I mean? Because I think it does. I've not seen it. I've heard of this. This is quite a famous film. I haven't heard of this. Oh, maybe it's not. No, it must be quite a famous film. It's world record breaking because it was the most number of people. Yeah, I think it's one after the other. It's what gangbang is, isn't it? Well, yeah, I guess it must be. Only because it says all together in my mind, that's everyone trying to stuff all their penises in at the same time. Oh, oh, no, I don't think it's that. Can you imagine how long your penis would have to be to be that last person trying to poke the tip in? Definitely needs to be a disclaimer on this episode. It absolutely does. No, that, that couldn't possibly. I don't know. But when you say all together. At one time. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying, yes. My brain tells me that at one time means at that instance. But maybe you're not wrong. Maybe it's at at one time, as in in one session of sex. Okay. All right. Now now we've clarified the world's biggest anal gangbang. How many people was it? 50. Oh, okay. Okay. That record's been broken since then. How how many was the biggest one? Because I daren't Google this, Sarah, on a work computer. I've had to. Well, thank God we don't get on fire for our internet history. As would be unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know how many the world record is for now. But anyway, look, I'm telling you this. I don't want to cast out on what Brooke contends because oh, there's going to be some people that say, well, if you had sex with that many people all at the same time or one after the other, um, how do you know it was Mark? I'm telling you this to kind of evidence the risks that these women undertook for their career. And what, so is it unprotected sex, do we think? Right. Well, we'll go on to that because, and I know there's going to be people also, I mean, I'm really bad for this, for like jumping ahead. I know people are going to say this, so I'm covering it now. I know people are going to say, well, that's her choice, isn't it? This is what she chose to do. And I think, again, we'll look at choice during this episode and the next one. 
Okay. Because I don't think it's as clear cut as some people might think. Oh, look at you! Looked into the middle distance, then a far away looking. Are you still thinking about the the gangbang thing? The gang? No, I, actually, I was thinking about like consent and the workplace. And you're right; there, there would easily be. Basically, Sarah, what I was trying to do was not interrupt you and go a thousand miles ahead because I wanted to start talking about how. It would be so you could so understand how it'd be easy to be pressured into doing things like this bigger, better, more, you know, to keep your name, earn the money. I bet there's always someone chomping at your heels to, you know, I'll take their place if they won't do that. So essentially, so I was, I was trying to sort of manage myself in that instance. Oh, manage your thoughts. Yes. Yes, I was. OK, right. We're looking at an article in the L.A. Times. Uh, published in 2003, to learn more about Brooke. So she features in this article. And the writer of the article is highlighting all that is wrong with the porn industry at the time. So the poor conditions on set, the very firm belief by producers that their audience only want to see unprotected sex. So this is what I'm talking about. Is there a choice? That's what your audience want. And uh, they're also looking at the huge amount of money the industry was making. Everyone turning a blind eye to the risks of not only the stars of their films, but the risk unprotected sex had on their sexual partners outside of work. Yeah, yeah, on their private life, on their personal life, right? That's what I'm trying to say in a very convoluted way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a much wider circle of risk than just that individual person starring in that film. Uh, And we know health checks at the time weren't great, uh, that records could be falsified, um, and there was no regulation in place. And that is how Brooke left the porn industry in 1998 with chlamydia, CMV, hep C, which had already damaged her liver and HIV. She'd starred over seven years in scores of triple X films, which is like the most hardcore porn films. Yes. Yeah. Oh, look. Well aware. Uh, They're the only ones I'm prepared to watch, Sarah. (laughs) Triple X hardcore for Jessica Harding, please. (laughs) (laughs) I love that my mother's listening to this. Not really, Bernie. Oh, Bernie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> right, let's move on. Okay, so Brooke also battled mental health challenges and drug addiction. So the point of the article really is that um, they talk about Brooke campaigning for more rights for performers. So she says, porn stars make a lot of money for other people and we deserve rights just like any other industry. The article says she was paid $10,000 for the film where she believed she contracted HIV, but that her check bounce stays after she learned that she had HIV. Why would the check bounce? Well, I guess they, they don't say. I don't know. But this is what I mean. These things are all kind of interwoven into different bits of research. And you're just like, well, why, why would she be? She did the job, so you've got to pay her. But I think this thing happened all the time. Horrible, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the production pro- company probably didn't want to be associated with her thank goodness for bank transfers eh these days instant bank transfers i know i mean she filed a lawsuit against the production company and the film distributor and in that lawsuit she alleges that mark wallace or mark goldberg has got two names faked a negative hiv test and include and she what she did in that lawsuit or what the com- the lawyers did was included uh, a copy of an hiv test that he supposedly produced. Okay. Showing that he was negative. I mean, the lawsuit, if it's hinging on that, isn't going to be particularly successful because the first thing I'm going to say is that could be anyone's test. Didn't have to be Mark Wallace's, did it? Exactly. How do you prove that that's that person's test? Yeah. 
And the lawyers looked into the test. Uh, it was dated a year prior to the film being made. And they are casting doubt on the medical authenticity of the test. Or, well, actually, it's more the authenticity of the medical institution that completed the test. So they're saying this, this test that Brooke's seen is proof that Mark doesn't have HIV, but actually the doctor that signed it doesn't even work for this clinic. Um, he worked there years ago. He hasn't worked there since. And actually the doctor named had moved out of the area many years before. But even so, I mean, not the best evidence, is it? It's, it's, it's very tenuous, isn't it? Yeah. Now, the lawsuit did hinge on more than just that. Because even if you can't pin the transmission of HIV onto Mark Wallace, you know, this is the production company surely has a duty of care to make sure all their performers are protected. So Brooks' lawsuit claimed that the production company hadn't provided a safe working environment by not verifying health certificates, the HIV tests that we're talking about. Also, some of the male actors wore condoms, some didn't. So there was no consistency. In the lawsuit, it says that Mark didn't use a condom, but Brooke trusted him because she'd worked with him before. That's a tough one, though, isn't it? Because let's put everything else aside. She might trust him and know him. But what if he were within the window period? I'm not saying that he is, but do you know what I mean? Even if it was a friend of hers that she knows, it's it's difficult. It's it's very difficult, I think, to kind of speak up and and be firm and, and, you know, You've got to get on with these people. They're your work colleagues. Yeah. If you start questioning whether they've got HIV or not, it's not going to make for a very pleasant working environment. It's not going to make for a pleasant anal gangbang, is it, Sarah? It is not. Not that that much we know. No. Uh, so, Brooke, as we know, is not the only woman that was infected at the time with HIV. At least four other women were also infected, and later it turned out to be quite a lot more than that. And there's one common link between all of them, and that is Mark Wallace. The problem was the women didn't know how to prove that it was him. So, you know, now, and we looked at this in our um, HIV and crime miniseries last year. Yeah. Last year. Yeah, it was last year. year. I feel like it was last summer. I feel like that's why miniseries, summer. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Um, So we know you can do scientific research, you can analyse blood, and you can look at blood samples and you can work out whether somebody has been infected with HIV from that person you know the genetics of the two samples are the same yeah none of that was done um, and they did have some capability to do that at the time but it wasn't done because you know it's, it's women in it treated like second class citizens god it's it's so bad just makes me so sad they had strong suspicions and yet nobody helped them move this forward no one saying well you know probably breaking the law by doing it no nothing just like, you know, this has happened, you just need to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah, that's awful. It is awful. And I have, I mean, I don't know whether Brooke's court case was successful. I can't find anything to say that it was. So my guess is not, because if it had been successful, that would have been like a landmark case, wouldn't it? And it yeah, that would have been a for... big deal, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, What I did find was another newspaper article that talks about the case not being decided yet by the Compensation Appeals Board. And it says in the article, if it is decided, another obstacle awaits Brooke. So Hardcore Television, the producer of the video, didn't have workers' compensation insurance for any employees. The distributor, K-Beach, had taken out workers' compensation policy. But in the policy, they describe their employees as clerical workers. The insurance company 
insists that the policy doesn't cover porn stars and therefore Brooke can't claim her medical bills against the policy. That's awful because this this is this is a workplace issue. This is where this happened. I really feel for her because I'm as we know, I mean it is expensive in America to pay yeah. for your medical bills. Like unbelievably so. So and again, I mean, how would she have known? I think you would assume would you assume? I mean, have you ever walked into a job and said, can I just see your insurance papers before I sit down? No, you, you assume, don't you? Exactly like you're saying. It, it, there are these people in these trusted positions, like your employers, where you go, yep, no, I trust your word. That's fine. Yeah, you would. You just assume that that, well, maybe we should all check. Right, that's it. Sarah, get the paperwork out. You've seen, I, you've got a copy of our insurance the other day. Yeah, I did. You're actually, well covered actually. on your tiny, tiny size two feet if you trip over because yeah. they don't hold you up properly. <laughs> We're insured for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. No, that is fair enough. I did have to get a copy of our liability insurance. Yes. For Pride. She's not making a claim. Oh, yes. No, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Just we needed it for Reading Pride. So what would happen if you couldn't afford your HIV meds? Like, I'm I'm just trying to think even in this day and age, somewhere like America, do people just not take them because they can't afford it? Or are, do we know? I know you won't actually know the answer to this question, Sarah. I'm sort of more, this is just my mind vomit, wondering if maybe someone could message us and her. So are there organisations that can help out with that sort of thing? If someone doesn't have There are organisations, I think, that can support in this situation. Yeah, because not everybody can afford insurance anyway. And it might have been, maybe she had her own insurance, I don't know. Possibly. She certainly couldn't get the insurance company to cover her medical bills. That makes me cross. And especially, actually, why it makes me cross is that uh, the production company didn't have any insurance anyway. I mean, that's the joke of it all, isn't it? Didn't even have it. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's rubbish that the other people had it and then it was for clerical employees or people in clerical roles. But, I mean, at least they had some insurance. I know. And there's another issue as well, victim blaming. So this same newspaper article um, includes a quote from someone called Robert Harara. I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce his name. I don't care because I don't like him. Oh, all right then. Okay, it's that kind of situation. Yes, works for someone called Simon Wolf Productions, or did then, maybe he doesn't now. And he's quoted as saying, it's up to the talent to say to other performers, let me see your HIV test, or hey, I need a condom. It's not down to the production company to take care of their workers, it's there for the money. That's what it's saying, an employee... Like that's up to me to go around making sure everything's every single different policy is in place and everything sorts. It's like no, it's on my employer. Honestly, I just that, that comment astounds me to say that it's up to you, you as the star of the show, to go around and check everyone's HIV test or you know shout just shout if you need a condom. That is absconding yourself of all responsibility. And how do you? How is she one person supposed to? Um, go around like 50 people on that shoot 50 like who, who's got time for that bet you no. they were straight in let's get filming let's go yeah and the majority of performers are young I've not got any frame of reference maybe there are older people as well but I think if you're new to the industry or you're young or um, make a name for yourself or maybe you're just naive yeah and, and you trust in the people that you're working with, right? You're trusting the people that are there 
You think they're a legitimate production company. They're going to have all their ducks in a row. They're going to have their insurance. And why wouldn't they look after you? You are making them money. Yeah, you're right. Or maybe they don't understand the risks involved. Could be that, couldn't it? Maybe you just don't know that you're putting yourself at risk of HIV. <sighs> Definitely up to the... Without a doubt, it's the health the health and safety of your employees. It's got to be down to the production company. It has yes. to be. I mean, he went on to say, it'd be great to have everyone wear a condom and a good thing to force everyone to test for everything. It's just not possible to do that in this business. That's his answer. That's it. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? Wouldn't it be great, but just can't no like oh okay like zero fucks given i think that's it we should try that with our board of trustees next time they ask us to do something i don't think that's possible so it'd be great it's a great idea but yeah nah i wonder how that they ask us to tidy up the center because you know health and safety it's a nice idea but no no nah not for us So production companies, I mean, they're just out to make money, aren't they, at the expense of their talent, as he calls it. And if that meant not double checking HIV statuses, because you want that star in the film, because you know that that, that star is going to make you money, you just do what you do, don't you, to get them on board? Of course. Now, interestingly, in gay porn, things were changing. I think because their community was heavily affected by AIDS. So to film gay porn, without condoms was viewed very very negatively so for the gay community unprotected sex you know that's not their fantasy anymore is it unprotected sex equals death okay yeah well that makes a lot of sense so they were trying to change things there because again that's what the audience wanted but i'm not convinced that the audio the audience of heterosexual porn films wanted to see unprotected sex i feel like we talked about this last episode. I do feel like the porn industry had a moment in time where they could have made it quite hot and sexy to use a condom and they chose not to. They missed a trick massively. They like I think we said in one of the other episodes, they could have led the way um, and been a shining example to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it would have got them so much publicity. But no, ruined it. They wrecked it. The article also points out the limited amount of data there was at the time about how many adult film workers were affected. So there was a voluntary testing scheme run by AIM. That's the lady uh, that we talked about last week that kidnapped Mark Wallace. That's her clinic. So between October 2001 and March 2002, they tested 483 workers, performers. 40% had an STI. So 17% had chlamydia, 13% had gonorrhea, 10% had hep B or and or C. No positives to HIV, so that's good. Yeah. Um, and that testing scheme was funded by public health, but they couldn't afford to continue to fund it. So that stopped. So right. testing has kind of been ramped up. Now it's been not ramped down. What's the opposite of ramped? Scaled down. There we go. Um and uh, in my opinion, the production company should have been funding this. It's not public health responsibility, but they didn't. All I think we've shown today is that women in the porn industry, although essential to the films, they're the stars, were treated really, really badly. That money and greed were the drivers for the production companies, who, do you know what, let's be honest, were quite contradictory in their management of this. So on one hand, they're saying our audiences don't want to watch protected sex but then on the other hand oh but if our talent want to use condoms crack on that's so true isn't it you've caught them out there because it's like oh no of course they can but you're clearly saying so obviously on set they're going to be going well this isn't going to sell because you're asking everyone to use a condom and that's not what 
people want to see. Very, very contradictory. And ultimately, as we think we've proven today, very little in the way of duty of care to the women that were making them all their money. I think that's the that's the most appalling thing, isn't it? But I suppose if there is a conveyor belt of talent, as they call it, just coming up, you just get the next person in who, again, won't ask about the insurance, who might not ask about condom use. Yeah, it's not nice. I hope things are different these days. Oh, although speaking of which, someone, literally, I was updating Ben on this yesterday because um, we were talking about fluffers. So someone... You were talking to your husband about fluffers. Oh, I don't want to know what, what your Sunday activities are. <laughs> what, our I second job? you two on the set. Can I fluff for you, Ben? <laughs> yeah, but I'd just be getting him ready for me, wouldn't I? I think that's just <laughs> called having sex. Full <laughs> play. <laughs> so someone commented, no, I I was actually showing him the TikTok video that we had made where you were like, what's the fuck? Yeah. Because the reason I was telling him that is because someone commented underneath it, updated us with a little bit of info. They put, that's old school. Now many use Trimix, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is an injectable you use on the shaft of the penis. They inject their penis. Yeah. And that just gets it like, ba-doing. This is just what someone commented on our Instagram. So it's not that I'm saying, oh my God, this is absolutely what happens. But someone had said, yeah, fluffers are really old school. So what? Everyone's being put out of a job these days, aren't they? You know, you've got self-checkouts at supermarkets. You've got Trimix instead of fluffers. What's happening? Bring back yeah. the fluffers. That's what I, I say. Yes, I think we should bring back the fluffers as well. Well, can't you just use Viagra? But surely, I think it, that's probably a bit different, isn't it? Because does that take a bit too long? I mean, I don't yeah, know. I don't know what this trimix is, to be honest. And you inject it into the shaft. I. It's like that moment of where you have to do something that you're a bit like, oh, so right, this is this is kind of, I'm going to take you somewhere. So... It's like that moment. So recently, I've been trying to sing that I am calling Ice Face, Sarah. That's what I'm calling it, right? So in the morning, I put my face in a bowl of ice cold water and I hold it for as long as possible. I'm calling it Ice Face. It's a bit like that because the moment I have to do it and I'm there, it's like, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to be horrible. This is going to be horrible. Okay, go. And I have to do it. It'll be like that, trying to shove a needle into your penis. Wow. And after you've done that, is your face erect for the rest of the day? (laughs) <laughs> red and erect can't you see <laughs> what is it just supposed to wake you up it's supposed to oh you know you know i love a fad sarah i love a fad um it's supposed to stimulate your vagus nerve okay. so it helps with tons of different things and it helps uh well you fit do you know what? i'm not gonna lie you feel really amazing so you know how i like cold water dipping Mm. but obviously it's too hot in the moment. The water's not cold enough. I don't have enough ice and I'm not going to waste all that water to try and put it in like a bath or something. So basically it gives you the same effect as your whole body doing an ice cold dip. Apparently there are more nerve receptors in your face than anywhere in your body. So just putting your face in the cold water has a similar effect on like your mental health and it just puts you in a lovely old mood. Quiets my mind for a bit. Wow. Yeah. You are all about the frozen stuff, aren't you? I love the cold stuff. Love it. The water's too warm for me. I went for a swim on Sunday, 19.5 degrees. Rubbish. So cold water, icy face face washes. Yeah. Frozen toast. Yeah. Oh, that's true, isn't it? I do like that. I do, and I hate this hot weather. I hate it. Yes, I know. You've said that 17 times in the team meeting this morning. And I'm very much looking forward to working with you in the office tomorrow. It's going to be like, I've got a fan, it's fine. But anyway, the point is, it's that moment, I think, where you, I mean, you've got to have a lot of, I was going to say a lot of balls, but 
You know what I mean? You have to have a lot of courage to be like, I'm going to stick a needle in my penis. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I No. Well, it does seem, well, I suppose it's how times change, doesn't it? You used to have a person to do that and now you have an injection, but. The person sounds more fun, like they might be your companion, though. You know, could tell you a joke or something as well. What a job. I wonder if they're targeted with how many penises they have to make hard. I just love the image because it's called a fluffer. And I know this is an edgy, but it conjures up an image of like someone with one of those feather dusters, just tickling someone. (laughs) Yes, that's how I imagine it. Just going around giving everyone a little tickle. Yeah. Oh, it's the same sort of. All about the little, look, there's tickle, horse's hoof. Sarah's doing some odd hand actions at me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Anyway, we're done. That's it for today. Okay, bye. No. (laughs) That's it. Over and out. Okay, okay, love it. And so next week we're going to continue on with women. Yes, we're going to look at another woman, yes. I'm very excited. I'm loving the poor mini-series. I told you it was like summer. When we started this, you said it was the end of summer. And now suddenly, heatwave is here. So I feel like what we have done, Sarah, on the HOE podcast is bring on this summery weather. Ooh. Just saying. We have the power. This is all down to us. I think it might be. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, I will see you in the office tomorrow where you can brace yourself for me to complain 20 million more times. Bitterly. Yes. Yes. I I might just come in in like a a crop top and some cycling shorts. (gasps) Oh, let's both do that. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The HIV Podcast for behind-the-scenes insights and video. The HIV Podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.